0: you've heard you've heard the tea about how it's an insider job, right?
1: Oh yeah, how, yes,
0: yeah. Because they're like, just so you know, the capital is labyrinthian in nature. So like, they had to have insiders. I was reading on the Guardian today. We've been so kind of systematically like conditioned to let the gravest injustices get off the hook scot free. It says, Pelosi says lawmakers may be prosecuted if they, quote, aided and abetted U.S. Capitol write it. And I'm like, why may?
1: Why may?
0: I want that it, headline it, to read. You will. Pelosi says she will prosecute.
1: That's just Democrats. That's why I get so frustrated sometimes having to be a part of the Democratic Party, because I would never be a part of the Republican Party. Not again, honey. Not again. Not but again, But it's, it's just it's just this mentality of like it's so weak need. Democrats are so afraid to actually do anything.
0: It's like no, don't do that. You're you're reacting poorly. You you're reacting too harshly and it's like like what the fuck do they want? And that oh my god, Lindsey Graham, did you see his speech on the floor after the riot?
1: I did not, but I did see that he got accosted by Trump supporters and apparently he still hasn't learned his lesson. So
0: Well, he like laughed. It was like after it come out, that woman had died, like people were in critical condition. He's on the floor, like laughing, like, ha, you know, I just think we all need to, I, you know, I've always supported, uh, president Trump. And I think now we just need to come together. Enough is enough. I'm like, shut the fuck up. They
1: beat a police officer to death with a fire extinguisher. Like, I do not want to hear Blue Lives Matter ever again.
0: Ever again. And I also want, first off, I want it to be known that that is the epitome of privilege and Mm -hmm. being the lawmaker to be able to be so far removed from what was happening, to be in that amount of danger, and then to come to the Senate floor and laugh. Honestly,
1: same with Pelosi, because Lauren Boebert or whatever her fucking name was, was live tweeting Pelosi's whereabouts, even though, according to other members of Congress, they were told specifically not to tweet their own whereabouts because of the danger of the situation. So, like, tell me why this GOP Q supporting congresswoman was telling these people where Nancy Pelosi was. And Pelosi's going to be like, oh, we might punish them. Next time you might not be so lucky, Pelosi. Next time there might not be a Capitol Police officer actually doing his job and leading these people away from the Senate chambers.
0: So enough of, enough of my bitching. Enough of me bitching about politics. And Hello, readers. And welcome back to Read This Way. I'm your host, Chase Wingate. And this is your other host,
1: Renee Pogue.
0: And we are officially into season two. Woo! Party!
1: We did it. it. Vacation, all I ever wanted.
0: We're back.
1: We're back. back. We did it. We survived. I did it. I mean, uh, we just are doing another. Season, <laughs> we did it. We pressed record. Look at us. By
0: did it. We literally mean like we've had one meeting, and we have. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at us go. We we have an Excel sheet that tells us what we're recording we recorded when. A book. It's truly you know, it's truly a miracle. We're here. You're still here. You're, you're kind of in in the metaphor of what's happening. I'm the street performer who's trying to keep you here and you're kind of side-eyeing me. You're a little intrigued, but you don't really want to like give me your full focus, but I am clenching at your coattail begging you to stay. Please, please listeners stay and listen for we have fortunes and insight to tell you about something that you didn't even know you were interested in. So this week on Season 2, Episode 1 of the podcast, we are doing a very super special Martin Luther King Day episode. As you probably noticed, this dropped on Martin Luther King Day.
1: Martin Luther King Day. And um, fun fact, we are recording this on his birthday.
0: We are recording this on Martin Luther King's birthday. We like to do things. We like to have themes, and we really like to honor people through themes. So this week, we will be covering King. And it's described as a comics biography by Hoche Anderson. And we'll be covering this in two parts, mainly because I started reading it and I texted Renee and I was like, wow, this is pretty dense, LOL. And then it came to this morning and I was like, hey, how do you feel about us cutting it into two parts?
1: This is a 2C thick graphic novel.
0: Yes, she is um she is not playing she wants to tell her story and Mm -hmm. she will not be stopped it does not matter how many words are in that uh conversation bubble she will say them all
1: if i were to like tell a story about somebody's life this is what it would be it would just it would be like 300 pages of dense as fuck shit because i'd be like no 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 they need to know everything. We don't leave out anything.
0: Yours would also be what would be great about yours, Renee, is that you would yours would be full of color. Like yours would really be out of nothing level of color.
1: <gasps> yes, it would be super duper
0: colorful. I'm just gonna dive. How do you feel about it? we just diving straight in?
1: Yeah, let's let's dive in.
0: Great. So I'm excited. Heart open. I'll paint a picture for you, listener. It's 1935. We see a shadow walking down a staircase. It it appears to be a a child mm-hmm. wearing a suit, and then a voice off. That's a stage term, meaning like they're off stage. ML question mark Is that you, boy? And so that's the first reader's hint. Oh, this is probably the the comic book is called King. I I should I can go ahead and assume ML stands for Martin Luther. And he says, yes, daddy. So there's an affirmation and he helps his dad into his robe. And then we get that beautiful, cold open king, a comics biography.
1: And I will say, I love the artwork in this. Definitely kind of an interesting choice because it's, it's not very beautiful.
0: I agree with you. I think it's beautiful. There are moments in which I think the art can get in the way of the storytelling
1: Yeah. There are times where I had like real difficulty figuring out what was going on.
0: Same. I like didn't know who was speaking. I felt like there were orders where like, I didn't know typically, you know, how the pages have been really intuitive in terms of like conversation bubble. I think, uh, happy was really good with that. Happy was really good about like, you knew exactly where to read this one because it is so text heavy I don't know where the conversation goes. I don't know who's talking when. And sometimes with the way the boxes are drawn as well, I don't know if I'm supposed to read across the page left to right or if I'm supposed to read vertically down from left to right.
1: I did have a little bit of problem with that too. I don't know. Maybe we're not smart enough for this graphic novel because there were definitely times where I was like, oh, wait, we've changed scenes.
0: I don't know if it's just my brain processing ability. There was just so much being covered like on a single page Mm -hmm. that I couldn't take it all in. Like with the witnesses page, I was like, this is all great information. I love these perspectives. I don't know necessarily that like putting this over the course of like three pages was best for me.
1: It took me a little bit to figure out what was going on, but I did. The witnesses were some of my favorite parts because I thought it was one thing I do before we like are fully dived in. To the story itself, one thing I did like about this book is, I thought it painted a very human picture of a very yes. um, iconic figure. Because I think it, it's so easy to just kind of put people like MLK on a pedestal and kind of
0: to idolize I them. him. Yes
1: exactly but it's like you have to remember that he was a person you have to remember that he that not everybody agreed with him and he made mistakes and he did things he probably shouldn't have and it's important to do that it's important to not deify him and i honestly here comes my like my little skeptic hat it almost feels intentional the way certain politicians or certain parts of our Government idolize MLK because you put him on such a pedestal that when you find out he did something wrong, it's like, oh, well, maybe he wasn't such a good guy. Oh, well, maybe his ideas weren't so great. Like, does that make sense? Am I just mumbling? Is that just like a weird tinfoil hat conspiracy theory? It was just something I was thinking about because when you when you put somebody on a pedestal and you make them you act like they're above reproach then when you find out when somebody unrelated finds out that they did like one bad thing then it's like oh maybe they're a bad person
0: i don't think that's weird at all i think that i look at the history of america and i think that mm-hmm. when you are a privileged white slave owner turned lawmaker for lack of a better term in terms of the you know genealogy of our lawmaking pool Mm-hmm. I think what you see is that you see when you when you have been bred to believe that humans are just pawns in your game, specifically a political game. I think they truly don't know any better. Yeah, and I think that's really sad. And to speak to riff off of what you said too, I loved that it painted such a human picture of him, and it and he's such a fucking badass. Mm-hmm. He is a bad ass i don't want to jump too far ahead but that whole kennedy thing where kennedy like swayed the black vote by like Mm -hmm. having that conversation with martin luther king and then being like we'll make it work we'll make integration work and then he kind of like went back on his word just to get the black vote or was like that might be a little bit too progressive i'm like that's politics in a fucking nutshell that's political Mm -hmm. manipulation of minorities case in point what I found so haunting about it was there are so many things that this comic covers that are so relevant today. I know that's kind of like the whole, uh, well, duh. But also, <laughs> it's we'll cover it when we get to it. I don't want to get too far ahead. I feel like if I start talking about it, I'll skip a bunch.
1: I know there's there's like so much that I I want to talk about later, but I, you know, you, the first part of it is just like a little murky to me. After we see the witnesses, which I think is very cool. And I love that that's a thread throughout the book because I like that we get different points of view and some are positive and some are negative and some are neutral. But I think it's important to see that, you know, there wasn't like a monolith of opinion. Like he's an impactful person and he impacted different people in different ways.
0: Martin Luther King was I mean, ironically divisive, like that's the thing is like, I think Martin Luther Ooh. King divided opinions, but it wasn't for like, like preaching a message of love, you know, and throughout, mm-hmm. throughout the part that we're covering today, preach nonviolence. And I loved, uh, I'm I'm going to skip ahead. I can't.
1: I mean, we're covering a specific section so or a specific part of the book. So I think let's just cover whatever we want in this first part of the book, because I think there's so many good parts.
0: Yes. So it's when he's being interviewed on that talk show. And that's a whole nother issue that I had. I think Mm -hmm. there's like that weird, like white male privilege of like, he like to debate just to debate versus debating the livelihood of a people. And the guy's just kind of like debating him for the sake of debating, kind of like trying to coerce him into saying something violent or like, I don't know, it's that irony of like, it's really big that he's being interviewed. Cause that's Mm -hmm. exposure, but of course it's typical exposure for the period. Like if you're hated, you're being invited on that interview, not necessarily for people to like you, it's for people to have more reason to hate you. So the interviewer is like trying to coerce him into saying that like things are going to probably turn violent, right? Do you think they're going to turn violent? MLK really stands his ground in it. And he says this really incredible line, Marie, I've given, a, I've given a lot of thought to my place on this earth, and I have come to the conclusion that I am an instrument of God's will, and that makes me dangerous to some. Dangerous to some. Today, I'm committed to the nonviolent breakdown of segregation. Tomorrow, only God knows.
1: That was yes. powerful.
0: Well, because he's like, earlier you use the word revolution. Are we talking violent revolution? Define.
1: Is that a threat?
0: Exactly. Clarify.
1: Like, sir, the most frustrating part of this interview is that at this point, Dr. King is really talking about important issues, like important aspects of the protests and everything. And he says, well, white Americans must be made to understand the basic motive underlying these demonstrations. Many pent up resentments and latent frustrations are boiling and they must be released. And it's, it's just this, instead of like saying, is this a threat? Like what, how difficult is it to look inside and be like, oh, well maybe we've done something wrong. Maybe we're doing something wrong.
0: And you have to look at this and see how it, how it's played out in current time? Like the Mm -hmm. fact that like it's again, it's this fucking white man being like, why do you have to be violent? Well, are do we need to be worried? Is that a threat? Is this violent? And then you look at what this book covers and it's like, the white people are the violent ones.
1: When they do protest peacefully, you still attack them. You still attack you still them, beat them. You
0: destroy them. And then like, I think what's, and I wonder, you know, it's not covered here, but I wonder if they said the same things about like, if property was damaged and they like mourned the fucking loss of the property over the human life.
1: I'll have, I'll have to find it. I should, I should have already found it, but it's, it's a vintage political cartoon from when MLK was doing his peaceful protests. And it's a person interviewing him and behind him, it's like a destroyed city that's on fire. And he says, oh, yes, I thought our peaceful protest was very successful today and hopefully we'll be able to do another one tomorrow. And it's like, oh, OK, so this narrative has always been here.
0: Exactly.
1: It, it's, it goes back to kind of what I was saying earlier, like MLK is always used as like a pardon this terminology because it's a ruin now. But as a trump card, any type of protest you're doing. You can be like, oh well, why aren't you more peaceful? MLK was peaceful. Okay, MLK was peaceful, and you beat the shit out of him. The freedom riders, all the freedom riders did was ride a bus, and they got the shit beaten out of them by the KKK while the police watched. Can
0: you believe that part too? Where it was like fifty. They They said to them, "We're turning away for fifteen minutes. Do what you want."
1: Yeah. Yeah, like that is so. And not at that point, not even caring that reporters were right there filming the entire thing.
0: Well, and that's too- the reason they
1: don't want reporters now. Yeah. Because that was one of the things that swayed, you know, the American population. If you show the American population what's actually going on, so they're not able to separate themselves from it, then they have to deal with it.
0: Well, that's why they want to turn their body cams off. And, and two, this like, I mean, the Karen blood runs deep, right? Like, you you look at the things that these, like, white people are outraged over. Like, and I know that it's so simple Mm -hmm. to us today, but it's also because, and I think you and I are reasonable in the fact that, like, we check our racism. Like, we know our privilege. We know that there are parts of us that, like, I actively every day, there's a part of me that, you know, is inadvertently racist and I apologize for it. And I do what I can to make up for that.
1: I don't like the I- the idea that it's like white guilt or whatever, just to try to be anti-racist and to do what I can to like not be racist. I just want to be a person who isn't a piece of shit.
0: How heavy the burden to walk down the street and see a minority, a person of color and have to feel hate for them, like actively mm-hmm. have to hate them. It has to be exhausting.
1: For no reason.
0: For no reason. These people are sitting at counters. They're sitting at counters. You know, Rosa Parks sat at the front of the bus. And these people are flipping their fucking shit. And I'm like, this has always been the white narrative. This isn't something new for us. Mm -hmm. This this is truly something that's like, oh, the moment that we... The moment that our privilege is in danger, we flip the fuck out. Also, listeners, we are probably going to jump around because you know if you took an American history class you know the the abbreviated history of Martin Luther King if you need a linear plot line you're welcome to go to Wikipedia and Wikipedia Martin Luther King
1: of course we've had you know the witnesses which honestly we don't know who these people are I don't know if we explained it very well the first time we talked about it but basically reader listener um there are parts in this book where we kind of, it's almost like a Grecian chorus where we just kind of pull back from the main story and we have unnamed people telling not necessarily their story, but their version of what they see around them and their opinions of MLK. And we have some, uh, there's a couple instances where we have people who were freedom writers giving a little more background to their position in it. In one instance, we have a white dude. His words are not very good. You know, before Martin Luther Kuhn, we had a few problems and then he has a few um, ethnic slurs and he says, all of them knew their plays, accepted it real easy like, thank you very much. This king encouraged another ethnic slur to think. They didn't fucking need to think. They weren't put on this earth to think. They were happy when things were simple and orderly. When they were on the field picking the cotton the Lord intended them to pick. My opinion, Southern racial troubles would have just drifted away were King removed from the picture. Anyone living in present day, I'm sure that sounds very familiar. The whole, oh, we didn't have racial troubles until this person pointed out the racial troubles, which is very similar to what is said about past president Barack Obama. Is Oh, racism was dead until Obama took office. And it's like, no, it wasn't. You just were able to hide in the closet about it.
0: You were able to live comfortably with your racism. Exactly. I understand. Like I intellectually can look historically lin- at the linear plot of our country's mm-hmm. history. I can under I can get it. The white the white anger is over the loss. They I think truly there's that disconnect that follows the end of the Civil War is it's the loss of property and the pride over mm-hmm. losing. And I think somewhere in today's, uh, specifically the Trump or Trump racist, is it's been handed down from generation to generation. And I think the DRA, I think they need to take ownership. I think there should be repercussions for them. The fact that they've kept this ignorance alive, because I'm telling you, it's, it's in the language of the way in which those books are written, that it does not vilify the civil war particularly the Confederate army. It does not vilify them.
1: No. And you have people being raised where it's like, what was the civil war fought over? States rights. As if that's like a period. And it's like, okay, well, states rights to do what? Exactly. And it's the, the narrative now, because the narrative before was, I don't even know what the narrative was before. Just people. I don't understand. I don't know what, the whole thing was before except for sheer racism now it's veiled in a oh well that was so long ago why should we i personally didn't own slaves like why should i have to do anything about it civil rights act was 50 years ago 55 years ago
0: 55 years ago
1: you can't act like the jim crow era wasn't just another version of slavery
0: why do we want to go back to that Is my question, is my listener, that is my question for America. Why do we as a conservative nation always try to move back to a period that was terrible?
1: Because when you have nothing within yourself that you feel like you can be proud of, you grasp onto the only thing you think you have.
0: It's false pride. It's terrible. Yeah. I like it's
1: really like I have nothing else, so I'm just going to cling to my whiteness and believe that we should be in power and it's being taken away from us. Or I'm going to cling to my Christianity and believe that we should be a Christian nation, but it's being taken away from us. Guess what? Guess what? Nobody is taking away the power of the white people. White people are still the vast majority in this fucking country. And that's not going to change anytime soon. Christianity is still the majority religion in this country. But you know what? It's falling. And it's falling because people are getting tired of the bullshit. It's not attractive.
0: It's truly not attractive. And and my thing is, Renee, like you adapted when your fucking pharmacy stopped doing a credit system where you put your name, where you like gave them your name and you had a credit at a pharmacy or a general drugstore. You adapted to that. Mm -hmm. So why can't you adapt to not being a shitty person and making assumptions about someone based on the color of their skin?
1: You would think it would be so easy to just be a good person.
0: But surprise. But apparently not. (laughs) But you can be wrong. (laughs) You You can be wrong.
1: The lunch counter thing is so ridiculous to me. It is so ridiculous to me that there is a time in our country where you could just be like no you can't sit at this lunch counter because you're African American. <laughs> this this is the the weird dichotomy of living in Georgia. Cuz yes, we went blue in the last election. Yes, Atlanta has had black mayors for the past like 30 years, but also after if you're driving on 75 Just inside of 285 and you're driving over to the Chattahoochee River, you're going to be driving over Lester Maddox Bridge, named after he was either governor or mayor. And he proudly, during the civil rights era, he owned a restaurant and he closed it because he didn't want to serve black customers. That's the dichotomy of living in Georgia.
0: Why do we? I, I just.
1: I mean, I do think early on in the book, there's this excellent point that king makes when he is at the party up north just kind of talking about how these people feel like they're better than the people in the south when they're just the same
0: yeah life insurance life insurance history was it was a northern invention so like the north profited just as much off of slavery as the South. Like the life insurance that we invest in now is a, an unfortunate relic of that period in time.
1: The bad side of the tracks is a result of redlining. Yeah. Which was done up North. Like it's all these insidious things. And just even in, when he's up North, they still have to sit in the back of the bus. When he's up North, they still get called the N-word. By some old lady. It's like, it's It's not different. It's
0: vicious too. It's like Mm -hmm. vicious hatred. And I think that's something that like the book captures really, really well. You can't like, that's not something that like you can read in a novel or you can read in a history book. Like history books do that weird thing where it's like watching a little puppet finger play of history. (laughs) This is visceral. Mm -hmm. Like this is very much like the points of view are strong. Like. The woman who calls him that, there's no need. And where does that hatred no. come from? Is It It really is just like that tribe mentality.
1: And just hatefulness for no reason.
0: Like his daughter when when she wants to go to fun town.
1: Oh, got and it. The, oh, I was I, thinking about that. That's so sad.
0: I cried. I cried when I read it. The fact that that's a conversation that had to be had. And it's still probably happening.
1: I I absolutely believe it, and it it just it sucks. It sucks that there are still people out there who are like that. My heart broke on page forty eight, where it's basically a rehashing of the um, Confederate separation papers. The I think it's called the Articles of the confederation. I can't fucking remember. But anyway, it was the whole reason that they segregated in the first place. And we see just a rehashing of this where they try and tie it up in flowery language and make it sound like some sort of declaration. But it's just all about being hateful. Them having to see Black people walking on the street is a form of oppression to them. Them having to just see them not doing anything, not Speaking to them, not attacking them, just existing.
0: It's so gross. It's so, it's repulsive.
1: Yeah. And we see, (sighs) look, last week I had a very nice interaction with a very friendly police officer. I am still, don't talk to cops. Don't talk to cops. Don't trust cops. Treat them like a, you know, treat them like people. I'm not saying go up to every police officer you see and, and spit on their boots and punch them in the face and tell them their mom's ugly. But, you know, be nice to them until they give you a reason not to. But don't trust cops. And don't talk to cops.
0: Well, and that cop is going to put, you know, I'm not going to speak for every cop, but that cop is most likely going to put their life over yours in a situation. Mm-hmm. So.
1: But he was a very nice guy. But not all cops are. Especially these cops.
0: These cops are terrible.
1: And it's just pulling people over for no reason. And treating people as subhuman for no reason.
0: And I forgot that Martin Luther King had been taken to jail. Like I forgot that that was a big part of his like turning point in the movement too.
1: Oh, multiple times.
0: How many times? I don't think I remember reading that.
1: When you're learning about it in like elementary school, middle school, you'll read excerpts from letters from Birmingham Jail, but you don't talk about the fact that he was put in jail 29 times.
0: Oh my god. He was
1: arrested he went to jail 29 times during the civil rights movement. It's just so frustrating when you see like how upset people got over something so simple as an integrated bus. People got so mad that buses were integrated that they were shooting at buses all over Montgomery.
0: Destroyed the woman who got her stomach shot through and was pregnant. Yeah,
1: there are at least two stories In here. Probably more, because we're only halfway through, of pregnant women who miscarried because they were attacked. I'm sorry, I thought you cared about human life.
0: Yeah, I thought I heard that thing where you guys were like pro-life or something.
1: And then there's this weird where it says, To be honest, the boycott relieved some of the terrible load of guilt some of us have lived under for so many generations but won't acknowledge you just get used to hypocrisy because when you're a child especially those of us who grew up with blacks in the house you have devotion to them then when you get grown people tell you they're not worthy of you that they're different and then you're torn apart because here are the people you've loved and depended on it's schizophrenic there's a reason so much of the south literature is filled with conflict mm-hmm. and badness that makes sense it is this this weird thing where it's you know you will trust These women with your children, with your young infants, but then when you don't need them anymore, they're subhuman and they're not worthy of drinking out of the same water fountain as you.
0: It's like, how do you think you look? you know? And again, it's because they don't reflect on it. It's because someone who believes the things that they do will never have the capacity to self-reflect like we've spoken about. Because if you could reflect on it, you would realize how absurd it is and you would... uh, apologize i think it would i think so many people are just so many generations into their beliefs that to deny to be the one that breaks the cycle it would be too much for a single person to bear which i don't think excuses them in any way but break the fucking chain break the toxic chain in your family like who who's the one witness who's like i can't remember the exact wording but she's like i had My worker tried to come back while they were boycotting and I, and I fired her.
1: Oh yeah. It was, it was a secondhand story. Hold on. Um, I bet I can find it. Yeah. Page 45. And she says, there were whites that were sympathetic to our cause. I know of one story where a Negro domestic grew tired of the boycott and returned to the buses. Well, when her white employer found this out, she fired her saying, if your own people can't trust you, then I can't trust you in my home.
0: I got I like got mad at that story because I'm like again your fucking white yeah. privilege ass It's to like that's kind of playing both sides, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's so good. Gr- that's disgusting to me. Like no, you don't get to sit there and be like, well, if your own kind can't trust you, then I sure can't trust you in my house. And it's like, wait, but I'm coming to work for you because I need the money and you need the work. Yeah. So like, what do you? So I'm like, I don't necessarily think that means that there were, I'm sure there were white people who were sympathetic to the cause. I don't think that was necessarily sympathy to the cause.
1: And it is interesting to me because there's so many instances in this book where we'll have witnesses talking about how mad they are or people who are talking to Dr. King talking about how mad they are because you get treated disrespectfully for so long and you speak out and say, I don't want to get treated disrespectfully anymore. and the people who are oppressing you retaliate by treating you even more disrespectfully. It can be so easy to turn to violence. And every time people are at their wits end and they're like, I just want to bomb their churches. Then it's Dr. King's adamant about being nonviolent. And he gives this whole speech about how no matter how you treat us, we will return with love you know we will still see you as a neighbor no matter what you do in that way you have to think that it probably pisses them off even more because uh, there's this great quote about the sit-ins where it's like who looks better the oppressed or the oppressor when you can show this and have give people an opportunity to be sympathetic towards your cause it's a lot more beneficial even though it would feel so much better to retaliate it is frustrating and it is you know it's a lot not comforting it feels better to to listen to malcolm x and you know it it when you see the way people act it can be very tempting to be like oh yeah well maybe malcolm was right but there is that truth that you know if you If you're not retaliating, then you can get the sympathy of the people. You can get the sympathy of the nation because it's, look how these people are treating me and I'm not doing anything to warrant it.
0: They want a reason to hate them. The reason that they hate them isn't definable, isn't observable. So for it to remain peaceful, it's exactly that. It's that they look look crazy and then... The nation becomes aware, like, oh, the things that they want are like natural fucking born rights.
1: They just want to be treated like every other American. And why is that so ridiculous?
0: Illustrator uses
1: like mm-hmm.
0: actual pictures from the period. I think that's beautiful. Well, and what they're doing too, that I just realized is they're emulating what these pictures look like. They're basing the rest of their drawing around the coloration of these pictures.
1: I don't want to say enjoy. I don't want to say cuz you know you don't enjoy it, but you do. You see the fruit of his labor when you see stuff like them being completely peaceful, them just boycotting and protesting and peacefully protesting and them having Bull Connor and his police officers attacking them for no reason.
0: I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. about the scar I like wasn't sure how to read it like the fact that they did the cut in the shape of a cross mm-hmm. and I can't remember if they were doing that to be like reverent or if it was meant to be kind of like I think it was in reverence right because they wouldn't save his life if they were trying to mock him
1: didn't seem it just kind of seemed like oh this is just something we did
0: yeah it was weird like, I was oh like, it
1: just seemed appropriate was weird. I I also was it was one of those things where I was like that's weird. I don't know if I want to dwell on that for too long. And so I didn't. But yeah, it it did not seem like they were doing him any sort of favors. It was just kind of like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we did this?
0: Yeah, like it just didn't feel it felt out of place.
1: I did love the panels before that. Although I did at that time I thought his father was dead, but his father his father apparently I saw something today his father lived until he was into like the 80s.
0: Yeah. His dad lived for a long time.
1: But I do love these panels cuz these are one of the few panels that are in color. Yes. And it's where he's kind of struggling to come back to life and says I can't feel anything. And it says, raise your hand toward the sun, boy. You feel it, then walk toward it. Whatever you do, just keep on walking.
0: Also, that lady who stabbed him.
1: Does it ever like say who she is?
0: It literally just says that she was, um, asked her why she did this to you, started babbling some nonsense about you being the source of all her woe. Something like this happened. You'd expect the Lord would give it some reason.
1: Okay, so it She started to, so she was schizophrenic and she suffered delusions, particularly about the NAACP, which is so weird. So I guess his connection to the NAACP kind of caused her to have a psychic break. You would think that getting stabbed with a letter opener wouldn't be that terrible, but she really jammed it in there. Like they had to remove one of his ribs to get it out.
0: Yeah. She like went for it. She was like, "If I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you."
1: <laughs> she, yeah, she was ready to do it. Well, how do you feel about the portrayal of the Kennedys so far in this?
0: I was so mad. I read that part, and I'm like, I, I think I whispered under my breath. I was like, "Typical." <laughs> I was like, "Of course. Why? Why wouldn't you? Like, why wouldn't you manipulate?" to get the black vote because it's all they are. That's all it is to you is a vote. You can argue to me how much you care about a group of people, but the moment that you campaign to get their vote, And then are just like, it might be a little bit too progressive for us. So
1: (laughs) The moment you campaign to get people's vote and then as soon as you're elected, you're like, just kidding, $1,400. I always was going to do $1,400 because it was $2,000 total. Didn't you know that the whole time?
0: Exactly. Like
1: I never said $2,000 checks for people.
0: Here's the thing. I don't want $2,000 total. You're right. I want a separate check for $2,000.
1: Because that's what we were told was going to happen.
0: America, stop telling me to be grateful for what I've gotten. Cause I hate that I hate that fucking stupid American narrative. You you may live in poverty, but like be grateful. Or you live in poverty, it's your own fault. I will
1: say one thing I have been frustrated with so far, and maybe it'll change in the second half. I don't know. But we have had Bayard Rustin mentioned twice that I know of, but he has not been shown once. And that really bothers me because he was pretty close to MLK and very influential. He is the person who convinced MLK to pursue nonviolence. Bayard Rustin is such an important part of the movement, as important, I would say, as Ralph David Abernathy and, um, oh, what's the other guy? Andrew Young, who they're both showing in like great amounts. also i'm mad that john lewis isn't like in it yet i'm ready for, i'm ready to see john lewis oh,
0: he'll be there don't worry
1: oh, i guess he gets mentioned more than a, f- uh, a few times because he was the big person who planned the march on washington and it's like show show me my historical gay show me my historical gay i demand it
0: i want representation I
1: <laughs> give me my sa- my tiny bit of representation i demand it did you think it was weird since I'm like in this section, I might as well talk about it. Did you think it was weird that in drawings, like, of course, we mentioned before that there are times where uh, this person used actual footage, but when it's not actual footage, they don't ever draw JFK with a face.
0: I think it's saying it. it's just another white man.
1: We see the bottom half of his face, but that's it like there were even parts where I was like did they just not want to draw JFK? And there are, you know, plenty of times where like I think it it is telling in this scene that we also don't see MLK's face. I think because it's one of those times when it's like oh this kind of
0: nobody thing. here.
1: Yeah, like to not sound like an annoying college student um, when I took a film class when I was an undergrad One of the things that really stuck with me thematically is when you're filming someone, if part of their face is in shadow, it's a way of telling the audience that this person shouldn't be trusted because you can't see their whole face. And so that just always sits subconsciously in my brain. So, you know, like when you go to the very next page, it's a scene of him with his family and he's drawn completely differently. And, you, you know, it's very light and vibrant. But here it's a lot of shadow and you don't see a full profile of either of them. It's almost like representative of this kind of shady deal going on. This kind yeah.
0: of like and tit dealing. for tat.
1: Yeah. It's sort of like it, and I think that is sort of familiar in other scenes where it's these people gathering around and discussing things. And maybe some people involved aren't being completely truthful, but it was just interesting to me because, and I could be, you know, reading into it my own interpretation, but it's just something that constantly sits in the back of my mind whenever I'm consuming any form of media.
0: Time and again, in my travels, as I have seen the outward beauty of white churches i've had to ask myself what kind of people worship there who is their god
1: there are so many heartbreaking moments throughout this book obviously but a lot of them are when he talks about how he expected
0: that's the point not just the
1: black church but the white church to support him and the fact that they don't
0: well we're here to come to you live from 2021 to let you know that the white church is not to be trusted
1: oh yeah (laughs) in case there were any any doubts anyone who got through our series on blankets and were confused about what our opinion is i guess because i'm i'm constantly interested in in all of the different people on here and most people have names you recognize like ralph david abernathy and andrew young and i'm not sure if that's just because i live in atlanta and there's streets and stuff named after them but i am just curious because i had never heard of this you know other than coretta the closest thing we have to a main female character carolyn longstreet but i don't know who this person is
0: caroline longstreet was the um was the girl from new york right
1: she first appears on page 100 so i think she is from alabama Your first was the resident hippie, Miss Longstreet.
0: Oh, yes. Okay.
1: And she's just kind of very involved with them, with planning everything. And she's, it just seems weird that I can't find anything about her. And I want to, I'd love to find out more about her because she's not a figure that I've heard about before. How did you feel about Martin and Coretta's relationship?
0: So that's why I brought up the woman from New York is because I, at first at their wedding, I was like, oh, he married someone else. Then I realized, oh no, Coretta was the woman he said that to in the taxi.
1: To Mm -hmm. be fair, no shade, no Tino shade, but the drawing of Coretta is not necessarily consistent. It took me a little bit to figure it out too. I don't know. I was very, and I guess- (laughs) Knowing what I know about Coretta Scott King and the type of person she is and was, it's just that whole conversation is very upsetting that he has with her. Just, what are your thoughts on motherhood? Ugh. I believe the woman's place is in the home. It's very sad to hear that from somebody who you consider to be a revolutionary figure, but you still have these traditional views about men and women.
0: Exactly. Like, oh, you're a revolutionist to a point. And then he like cheats on her.
1: Oh, a ton. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, I'm okay.
1: Yeah. Like the woman from New York, which was very soon afterwards. Yeah. After they get married. It is sad because like that wedding scene is very beautiful and- there's one statement in there that really stuck with me. It was this one woman saying, I can't help it. You know how I used to feel about him, but I see them together and I know it's forever. And it it just makes you very sad for Coretta. But then again, she's also a wonderful, strong woman. You know, she, she pops out a bunch of kids for him because he won a kid. She takes care of the family. I think she really gets thrust into this motherly role that you know she's also a doctor you know i don't think that's necessarily what she wanted and we see that frustration in a few instances in this book where she kind of has confrontations with him oh shoot i was just where i wanted to be there we go like on page 98 where she's just kind of telling him how i think it's 97 and 98 Where it's her talking about these frustrations where he's constantly leaving and kind of accusing him of doing a little bit of this to kind of feed his own ego and that he enjoys being quoted and feeling fussed over. It is frustrating because, you know, I'm not sure she's 100% correct here, but I think these are concerns she has that are valid and he's just shutting her down, shutting her down completely completely. Like, we're not having this argument again, are we? And what the hell are we even talking about? It's very dismissive.
0: Yes. And like, you can't have a, at some point you do have to make a decision. Like, are you going to be equal parts with your family and equal parts in this revolution? Or Mm -hmm. are you going to give completely over? And like, I think her argument is straight up like, he's probably not being very gracious towards her as the homemaker.
1: She's aware that he's not faithful. And I think that's also frustrating because you know every time he goes off to do his, you know do this work for the Civil Rights Movement, you don't know how he's going to act. And what do we see the next page? Him flirting with a woman.
0: Oh, uh, how perfect.
1: It's scenarios like that that I do truly enjoy in this book because I do think this goes a long way to humanizing Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., because I think we have to remember that he is a human. I think we have to remember that all of these people, like, you can still do good things and not necessarily be a good human 100% of the time. I think it's true. You know, nobody really
0: you, you, know you, can, you can do great things and still be human. You can still err, mm-hmm. you can still have error.
1: The relationship between Dr. King and, you know, the Kennedys and the other like, oh, you're New York City donors who are constantly going for the bail fund. I think that's the other interesting part of this because you see that push and pull and you see that, you know, King really trying to force JFK to make a move and do something. And, you know, JFK not really wanting to until he kind of had to. Yeah. Until he kind of had, I kind of has to do that speech where, you know, fellow Americans, this nation was founded on the fellow Americans, this nation was founded on the principle that all men are created equal. And this, it's like, why, why is it, why is it a source of conflict? Talking about whether all Americans are afforded equal rights and equal opportunities, like why, why is that? <laughs> Why is that ever anything that needs to be discussed?
0: Because, education- Like we want
1: to play up the idea that being an American is so good and is so great, but then we're going to split hairs over whether some Americans deserve to be treated better than others.
0: Because in the land of opportunity, education is just that it's an opportunity. You don't have to be educated. And I think that a lot of the people who are, Dealing with this are either educated and stupid or just uneducated and stupid.
1: Or educated and elitist. Exactly. Oh, yeah. This is the part I was talking about before when he gets released from the Birmingham jail. And he says, to our white brothers across the South who try to keep us down, we say we will match your capacity to inflict suffering with our capacity to endure it. We will meet your physical force with soul force. We will so appeal to your heart and your conscience that we will win you in the process. In the end, the victory will belong to us all. Such a hard thing to do. Not just to ask that of yourself and your family, but to ask that to other people as well.
0: Yeah. It's like, I'm not only going to be peaceful and match you with like love and compassion, but we're all going to do that. It's like when you're the leader on the group project, you're like, this is what we're going to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's just so stressful. Oh, yeah. And then we have the scene where Bull Connor is trying to get the police to attack them again, and the police don't. They just let them pass through.
0: Fuck Bull Connor.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm glad he's dead. And then we have the planning for the March on Washington. I think the March on Washington is the Million Man March. Yeah. So you have the planning of that, and you know some of them thinking it's too ridiculous and it's not something they should do and the the point that people in the north are not going to truly take this seriously the people in congress are not going to truly take this seriously until it's on their front lawn so to speak you have to bring it to them in person you have to make them see it
0: make them see it and don't rush in and try to storm the capitol just peacefully protest <laughs>
1: <laughs> when you have the choice, and you know we have this conversation, I, I think it's—I just think it's so cool to, to be at the level of fame where you can just go and have a meeting with the president. Just Like to me, that's very cool. Depending on the president, who the president is, of course, but I think that's very cool.
0: And very much so. Yes, depending on who the president. Is.
1: <laughs> and just them just coming and being like, "We just want to let you know that we're doing this." And JFK just being like, please don't, please don't. You have some people on your side, but you're just going to make it worse if you do this. And you're going to make me look bad if you do this. And I can't guarantee your safety if you do this. This isn't the right time. And MLK just being like, when is the right time? Every time we do something, you say it's the wrong time, but we're getting results. So, you know, Kennedy does have the point, you know, especially when he takes him aside and talks to him about how. The, you know, the FBI and J. Edgar Hoover is on his ass. J. Edgar Hoover hated Martin Luther King and frequently hated him, had a file on him, and frequently sent him letters telling him that he should kill himself.
0: God, what a fucker. So, Like, why did yeah, you do you
1: J. Edgar Hoover was, I mean, I think we all know by now he was a bad person. And I'm, I get, it's one of the reasons why... I get really tired of the people who try and, like, make jokes about it. Like, oh, J. Edgar Hoover wore a dress. I don't fucking care. J. Edgar Hoover um, got Fred Hampton shot in his bed and tried to get MLK to kill himself. Like, I'm not going to make jokes about somebody who was such an awful, atrocious person.
0: Like, truly the worst person.
1: Let's just say he's an asshole and move on. I, I do like that you know jfk kind of gives him a heads up like we're bugging you and it's not a you're being bugged and it is not a joke and they have dirt on you and it is not a joke and i'm trying to bury it because i don't want you to get fucked over by this but you have got to chill the fuck out and is he correct maybe a little bit but it is good for him to just give him an idea of how bad it is because i he he's probably used to like these police officers these people who are head of police and you know these asshole racist mayors in Alabama and Georgia you know you get used to thinking that these are your main adversaries you don't think of the head of the FBI as your main adversary and JFK's like yeah no no bitch
0: nah hun that's not what i think <laughs> at all it just makes me sad it makes me sad to think that like nothing nothing truly has changed things have gotten better asterisk but (laughs) let me tell you that is a comparative word because things are not where they need to be
1: not at all and it is frustrating that we are still in a reality where one man can wreak such havoc
0: like this is almost I would argue America's at the parapets of like no return
1: Mm. English literature nerd word. I love it.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) So Renee, my question for you, what are you looking for in the part two installment of King?
1: Bayard Rustin. Give me Bayard Rustin or I'm going to be so mad as a socialist who is gay. Yes. I... (laughs) <laughs> I draw a lot of inspiration from Bayard Rustin. I already am upset about the fact that he does not get talked about as much. And he really was pushed out of the movement after MLK was assassinated because he was a card carrying communist. Like, he was like, yeah, no, I'm communist. But he was nonviolent. He was a good guy. He's a good guy. Bayard Rustin's really cool. And I hope that he is. In this more and I would like I mean not to plug my other podcast which I always apologize and then I just do it anyway but um conspiracy podcast last February and I'll probably do a post about it soon just to kind of promote the episode but we do an episode discussing the assassination of MLK and whether or not the government did it yes I won't spoil it but you should be- is listen to the episode. That's a good one. It's an interesting exploration. So I do hope that there's a little bit of exploration of the assassination itself here. And it's not just an ending where it's like, oh, he's dead. Wasn't it sad?
0: Exactly. It's like, I love the in-depth nature of what King is, but don't make the assassination the briefest part. Because I want to go yes. a little bit too.
1: What are you looking forward to? What do you What do you want to see um, in this in the second half?
0: I think I agree with that. I want to I want to explore the assassination a little bit. I also want to see more um, original footage, original photos. Hmm.
1: I think that's such a cool touch because I think it's so grounding. Like it, it, it. I don't. Want, it doesn't take you out of it, but it's just kind of the reminder. Yeah. Like this isn't just a story. This actually happened, which unfortunately we need that reminder. Exactly. But I do, I do like it. I am, I'm really enjoying it. It's so detailed. It goes so in depth into so many different aspects of the civil rights movement. Like, I love that. You know, this isn't just a story of MLK, but also telling the story of this, the different aspects of the civil rights movement. You know, it's, it's absolutely like how they all tied into it or how they all tied into King and his influence. But it's very much not just the story of King, but the story of all sorts of other people around him and how he affected the people around him.
0: How like he was a central figure amongst other central figures in a movement.
1: Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's good. I, I, you know, we haven't even finished it and I can already, I'm already pretty certain I would recommend it to somebody. So same. Well, happy MLK Day listeners. Happy day of service. I hope if you're able to, and if you're able to safely, you are able to do something to make somebody's day better or do something better for the planet or pick up trash on the side of the road or make dinner for your neighbor in a safe, I don't want to say COVID friendly because it sounds like it's friendly towards the virus. (laughs) So let's just say safe in a safe way. Non-COVID friendly. Not friendly to COVID. Like, Don't be friendly to COVID.
0: Like, friendly to your COVID friends, but not to the virus.
1: Yeah. Be friendly to your friends in a way that is not friendly to COVID. Oh, listeners, if you are doing something for our MLK Day, please, uh, you know, let us know. Send us an email at readthisway.podcast at gmail.com or... On the old Instagrams at uh, Read This Way Podcast, they're the same because it's easy to remember. And I'm getting old, so I need easy ways to remember things. We're
0: getting old, listeners. Time only spins forward. Oh, we have to say our names before we go. Oh shit! Okay. Oh, I forgot. All right.
1: Anyways, reader listeners, until next time. I'm Renee Pogue, and he's Jay Swingate.
0: I'm Jay Swingate.
1: He's Jace Wingate. And this is Read This Way, the podcast.
0: Boy, buh-boy. <laughs> Boy, buh-boy now.